0: We've actually got a a news video, so go ahead and start that one.
1: There is trouble in the water. She's frantically trying to keep from going under. But a hero is stepping up to the plate. He's found a life jacket and leaves his own birthday party and sets off to the rescue. At first, the rescue is classic. He strips down to his underwear then picks the perfect spot to make his drop. As he swims to the dog, bystanders watching the drama unfold from the pier are in tears. A police helicopter hovers overhead. Then the hero reaches the dog and tries to grab her. The animal is so terrified, she bites him on the hand and face. He's bleeding. Look at the blood flowing down his face. Somehow he ignores the pain and makes it to shore, pushing the dog the entire way. Woo! Heroic effort. The dog is pulled ashore. Pretty amazing heroics. And here's the hero today, 38-year-old Gabe Castellanos.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, look at this.
1: Yeah, she caught uh, me there with her uh, uh, upper canine. Ouch. And her lower jaw hit me right square in the front teeth. And right. So there? technically, right now this is a temporary tooth. the the or something. You jumped in to save this dog and this dog, did you, <laughs> you you're thinking, hey, you're hey, really yeah. ungrateful dog, We am here to save your life. <laughs> For a little bit, but then I was like, ah, oh, it's all right, I needed teeth work anyway, so I think uh, we're doing each other a favor here. So what happened to the frightened dog? Here she is. Her name is Harper. She has booties on to protect the minor injuries she sustained in her adventure. Her owner, Aaron O'Donnell, says Harper somehow ended up in New York's East River after escaping from a dog walker who was hit by a car. Aaron's message to the hero who rescued her beloved pet. Thank you, Gabe, and I hope you're feeling better. I know it was an eventful birthday for you, so we're going to have to
0: make another celebration soon. So I
1: thought
0: that was pretty cool. You know the the dog walker got hit by a car that frightened the dog dog went straight to the river and just was swimming away and was getting stuck out there so this guy he just leaves his own he had had training he had been in the maritime academy, so he knew what he was doing um, and he went out and saved that dog. I thought that was pretty cool yeah you know, it was it's good good news that led to action and as we continue in the book of Philippians. You know, the the good news, that's the gospel, salvation through faith in Jesus always results in action. And individual lives and communities and societies can all be transformed by the good news. It's true action news. And Philippians began by informing us how and the things we can do to partner in the good news To both see and make those positive change happen. And now, later on in chapter 1, where we're going to be today, Paul shifts from talking about the church's work and partnership in the good news to his own work. This partnership is between Jesus and the whole church and the leaders. And in this case, the leader is Paul, and he's saying what he's doing. And so what Paul is doing here, it's kind of like when I use my own life story in the sermon to let everybody know, hey, I'm doing the same work that I'm asking all of you to be a part of. That's what the Apostle Paul is doing. He says, I'm in this work too, and let me tell you what the gospel action is doing in my life. It's the, if, if the, he's saying, you know, in in the power of the Holy Spirit, if I can do it, then we can all do it. So before we go to the scriptures, let's, let's pray. Lord, today as we look at the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he's going to get personal, Lord, we pray that your written word and your Holy Spirit will speak to us personally to show us what action, positive action the gospel can have on us and our community so that your kingdom may come and your will be done. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 is where we're going to begin. The Apostle Paul writes, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advance of the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is in the cause of Christ. The first thing Paul is saying here, he says, The gospel gave Paul access to people. The gospel gave Paul access to people. Paul's in prison, most likely in Rome at this point. And yet, even though Paul's in prison, he's saying, the gospel has still advanced. I'm in prison, and yet the gospel is still advancing. The message of salvation through Jesus Christ is circulating. And it's circulated first through all the imperial guard. So all the soldiers who were guarding Paul have now all heard the gospel. And he wouldn't have got to reach those people if he hadn't been in prison. These are people he never would have had access to It, it kind of reminded me I was in a uh, prayer session with with a couple of guys, and one of the questions they asked me was, had I ever made any uh vows?" to myself that I was going to keep that maybe God wouldn't want me to keep. And I hadn't thought of any at first. But then I said, you know what, I did say, I'm not going to jail or prison. And and one of the guys asked me, well, what if God wants you to go to jail? I said, I never thought of it that way. And so here is Paul, and he's saying, you know what, because I'm in prison, everybody, all my jailers know the gospel because they know why I'm here. And then he says, but it hasn't just stayed with the guard. He says, everyone else too. So it's not just staying in the jail section. It's spreading throughout the whole um, imperial palace. Paul's there and why he's there. And they're hearing the gospel because Paul's in prison. Paul's using his testimony. The reason why he's in prison to tell people the story of Jesus. He's telling people. This is what God is doing in my life right now. Not five years ago or ten years ago or twenty years ago. He says, right now, I'm in prison because Jesus wants to save you like he saved me. He's telling this story, contemporary. And even though the message of Jesus is being given to people that he wouldn't have otherwise had access to, We're going to see that Paul still is in no way stating that prison is where he wants to be. Okay, Paul does not want to be in prison. But while he's in prison, he's going to tell people about Jesus. You need to understand that. We got the skyscraper picture, yeah. You know, outside of a skyscraper is not where I would personally like to hang out. But, if it is my job to wash the windows, where do I need to go? Outside the skyscraper? You have to get outside the building and that's what maybe what 's going on in the mind of paul i don 't want to be in prison, but if i 'm in prison i 'm going to do the work of the gospel and make sure it still advances you know and I got to tell you this is something that 's difficult for me, and it might be difficult for most people because Nobody usually says, or I don't think God necessarily expects, expects us to say, Hooray, I get to go meet people at the hospital or at the hospice. I get to go have access to new people at my cancer treatment. I might get to share people, share the gospel with people at the funeral. That's not places that we're just like, want to go, right? I've never said I can't wait to go to jail so I can tell the prison guards my testimony. At least not as a prisoner. And it doesn't even have to be that big of a circumstance. One of the things I do once a month is I go to the Chamber of Commerce lunch. Now, there's no bad people there. In fact, everybody's very nice. But as an introvert, that's just not my kind of thing. For me, a party is four people at the most. In a chamber of commerce, there's 50 to 100 people there. That's not the place I like to hang out. But I can still realize that God's given me access to people that I wouldn't normally have access to. So the Apostle Paul's in prison. We've got people in our congregation with cancer, recovering from strokes, hearing loss, death, emotional difficulties, memory issues, and probably plenty of stuff I don't know about. And I believe that God still does miracles. I absolutely believe that. And miracles can point people to believe in Jesus. So I pray for those things. I pray for healings. But in going through this part of Philippians, I, I got a better understanding of Romans 8.28, which we use a lot when we or somebody we know is going through hard times. You say that, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And we take that verse to, to sometimes mean, God's going to work out this difficult situation for my own personal good. When the good that may actually come is the good of the gospel going to somebody else. Moving to other people that I might not have had normally contact with. It's not always my good, it's the good that God will use these situations for. Jesus wasn't looking forward to going to the cross any more than the Apostle Paul looked forward to going to prison. But as we'll see next week, When Paul writes about the humility of Jesus, that Jesus willingly put himself in the worst of circumstances, taking the role of a servant and going to die on the cross, so that he could not just tell, but be the good news to everyone. And I don't have to go die on a cross, I may get a flat tire. And God didn't cause the flat tire, but it gives me an opportunity to talk to the man at the tire shop that I wouldn't have had before. You know, it's right and appropriate to take time for self-care. When we bury our loved ones, we take the time to grieve but we can also be ready to tell people why we have hope. I've got to tell you, when I was in the hospital recovering from my surgery, I was mostly thinking about my own recovery. I can't even say that I had the mental ability to share Jesus with people at that time. I had just been opened up, and I was on medications People came to visit me, and they were saying, what a great view I had out my window. I couldn't even see out my window. My vision was so blurry. But I was thinking about this. You know, before that time, you know, I had months where I was preparing for this surgery. I could have shared with my doctor about the blessing of having a child before I underwent the surgery that would prevent me from having a child again. And anyone who came to visit me could share with the nurses their testimony about how Jesus is working even when I couldn't. See, what I need to do is circulate the gospel as God circulates me throughout people. And that happened with the Apostle Paul even while he was in prison. But other stuff is happening too. It's not just the Apostle Paul. Philippians one, starting verse fourteen, said, "Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and dare even to speak, dare even more to speak the message fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and strife, but others out of goodwill. These do so out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely." seeking to cause me anxiety in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just that in every way, whether out of false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. The gospel gave others a platform to preach. Imprisonment gave Paul a platform to preach, and now the gospel has given others a platform to preach. Because Paul's in prison... Other people are now getting an opportunity to have the teaching spotlight. The Apostle Paul's not there, so someone else has to step up. And there are two different classes of people working in this open slot now that Paul's in prison. There's most of the brothers in the Lord, most of the other Christians. It says they're gaining confidence. This oh, this position has opened up, the space, and they're becoming more and more confident. They're speaking the message even more than they did before. They're becoming fearless. Even though Paul's in prison, They're they're just becoming more and more courageous, and they're working out of goodwill towards Paul. We know Paul would be doing this if he could, so I'm going to do it for him. They're working out of love for Paul and the people they're trying to reach. That's what most of the people are doing. Got a picture up here of uh, Alvin Freeman. He's a ministerial student at Greater Praise Church. And he's, he's moving through ordination. And so I had, con- that's him, he's preaching, he's filling pulpit at one of our churches. And I had just contacted him. I was like, I remember when I was a ministerial student, one of the things that really helped me was being able to fill pulpit at other churches. And so I said, would you fill pulpit at my church? He's like, wow, thank you. Sometimes I've got to get off the stage and give somebody else a chance. So you'll be seeing Alvin this summer. That's some people. They gain confidence and they speak the message more and more when there's a slot. But then there's also some, Paul said, who preach out of envy and strife. There are some people that want to compete or replace Paul. They want to become the top person. They have a rivalry with Paul, and they even have a rivalry with each other. They're not even sincere in their faith. They're doing this because they want to cause Paul anxiety. Paul's in prison. He knows if I'm preaching, it's going to stress him out. And Paul's response just shocked me. The Apostle Paul, who numerous times calls out false teachers, responds by saying he doesn't care why they are preaching as long as they are preaching the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Their motives are between them and God. As long as the gospel keeps circulating, Paul's good says, I'm rejoicing. I'll rejoice twice. I don't care why they're doing it as long as they're doing it. i got to tell you, I personally had a hard time with that. There are some popular preachers in the world today that I wish wouldn't preach. When I look at their extravagant lifestyles, or when one is finally called out because of abuse of power, or sexual immorality, or false doctrine, or bringing disunity... I look at that and I say, you know what, that person has the marks of a false teacher. But as I looked at what Paul said, I also need to remember that even a bad preacher might be leading people to Jesus. See, my charge is to guard this flock from false teachers. And to watch my own teaching and my own motives. Let God judge the motives of somebody else. As long as the gospel is preached, I should be good. As long as price is proclaimed, I rejoice. I'm still having a hard time with that. But the gospel needs to circulate. I need to circulate the gospel, and I need to not prevent it from being circulated, even if it's somebody I don't agree with on every point. And then Paul ends up, verse 19, Because I know this will lead to my deliverance through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything. But now, as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Now, if I live on, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am pressured by both. I have the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of me, your confidence may grow in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. One more thing that we see the gospel gives. The gospel gave Paul peace. Gospel gave Paul peace and this section is why I said Paul wasn't excited about being in prison. He gave himself kind of two choices here. He said uh, he says I know the gospel is going to lead to my deliverance. He says I'm either going to be physically freed because of the prayers of the church and the work of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ and so I'm going to be let out of prison to be do, doing my work. He says, or I'm going to get executed, and I'm going to die, and then I'll be free. He doesn't even put in the choice, or I might just stay in prison. Okay? That's not on his list. He, he's saying, I'd rather die than stay in prison. I'm going to be free one way or another. So He doesn't want to be there. But either way, whether he's freed or freed by death, he says, I'm not going to be ashamed of how I've lived my life nor the reason for my death. He says, because I'm going to honor Christ whether I live or whether I die. He says, if I die, I get to be with Jesus Christ. He says, that's the best thing for me. I'd love to be with Jesus, he said, but if I live, he says, I'm going to continue the fruitful work with the church. And he says, honestly, he says, I think that'll be better for the church. Being with Jesus would be better for me. Staying here will be better for you. Because then we can all partner together and the gospel will continue to grow. The more of us there are here on the earth, the more the gospel can circulate. He says, I think I prefer to stay here. Anybody seen the Shawshank Redemption movie? It's on all the time. At one point, Andy says, get busy living or get busy dying. Now, while in prison, both Andy and Red, they use their time positively to influence other people. Andy gets books brought in so they can read. He gets this, Classical music brought in, and he's willing to go into the hole so he can pipe classical music through the prison just for a little bit. But they both wanted out of prison. They both didn't just want to die with no purpose or improvement in their own lives either. So they realize they had to get busy living or get busy dying I prefer like Paul to get be busy living so let's go back to Romans 828 and verse 29 it says we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose, Verse 29, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. So while circumstances that I'm in may not be directed at providing me the good that I would personally choose for myself, One, God does work through those events to circulate the good of the gospel. And two, God also uses those events to give to me the good that I actually need to become more like Christ. See, Paul's saying, for all this good that's happening through the gospel of my imprisonment, God's still working in me too. See, Paul would, as I said, he'd rather be dead than in prison. And he'd rather be free sharing Jesus than dead. But however it ends up, he lives for Jesus. That's not something that he just figured out overnight. That's a maturity that somebody grows into. That's the gospel circulating not from me to another person. That's the gospel circulating from Jesus to me to Jesus to me to Jesus to me within my own life. See, salvation through Jesus is not just for all the people out there who I come into contact with. Salvation through faith in Jesus is for me in here today as well and in here The gospel circulates. I need to circulate the gospel and not prevent it from being circulated. It needs to circulate in the lives of others and I need to let it circulate in me. But I intentionally use the phrase circulation because for circulation to happen, that is movement of a liquid or gas through a system, part of the system needs to be under pressure or hot. That's how fluid moves to new places, pressure and heat. Heard a true story of a woman. She went on vacation, and when she got back from vacation, she started losing weight. And she thought that was okay because she wanted to lose some weight anyway. So she was losing weight, but she kept losing weight. She finally went to the doctor, and they found out while she was on vacation, she got a tapeworm. And so she used that opportunity to write an article about how to avoid getting tapeworm and symptoms you should check when you come home from vacation in certain spots. Her ailment became healing for others and for herself she lost some weight which was good for her later on she said you know I put on put back on some of that weight and when I was trying to lose it I was almost kind of wishing I had that tapeworm again but not quite and Jesus has something far better for me to share Than a tapeworm, doesn't he? (laughs) Let's pray. Praise God, all peoples of the earth. Let young men as well as young women, old and young together, let us praise the name of Yahweh, for his name alone is exalted, until his majesty covers all heaven and earth. Because he has raised up salvation for his people. Holiness and the ability to draw close to him. Praise God, all peoples of the earth. Lord God, today we do give you praise. That you have brought the gospel, the good news incarnate to us, Jesus Christ. By his life, by his death. And by his resurrection, we are saved. And although there are places in this world where your followers are called to die for you, we are in a place where we are called to live for you. We pray that by your Holy Spirit, your saving power will flow through our lives and change us. And that in every circumstance where we have an opportunity to meet people, that we will share what you are doing in our lives. So that the gospel can circulate through this area, through our families, through our friends, to that one non-Christian that we are doing life with. We ask this so as the psalmist said, that your majesty will cover all the earth. And we ask this in the name of Jesus our Savior. Amen.